I know how to work this soundboard now. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Pro Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, it's the last day of the month. The last day of the quarter. That's right. It's an important day for us. It is an important day for Go Engineer, but more importantly, coming up is a very important day for America. Ooh. Are you talking about the day we celebrate our independence? Hmm. 1776. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I actually got a good deal the other day. It was $17.76 for two months of uh, clear. Oh, really? Through the airport. Smart. Clever. Clever marketing. Yeah. Right? Are you a big fireworks guy? Uh, I enjoy fireworks, no doubt. But yeah. I am definitely not one of those people that invest. Yeah. I invest in going to find the best spot to like overlook the valley. Oh, yeah. We're blessed with mountains We have here. some good spots. Yeah, so we can usually find a high vantage point. <laughs> I like Ensign Peak up behind the Capitol. Oh, yeah? Because it's easy. That's a yeah. good spot. I did a time lapse one year of all the oh, really? fireworks. Yeah. Was it cool? It was way cool. I uh, grew up in a small town, little tiny mountain town. So you could go up to the water tower and there mm. might you might run into a couple people, but not very many. And there was one main fireworks show in town. So, yeah, you'd have like the the couple people. And this was before like you could go buy aerials as a regular yeah. person. So you had one main fireworks show and it was really cool to watch from nice. there. I got to figure out a way to Jimmy rig my flag onto the bucket of my excavator. Because <laughs> are you just parking that in the front yard now? It has been parked in the front yard for like it was parked there for like two weeks. It's in the backyard now. But. You put the flag up there, it's 15 feet tall. Wave it around. You have a 15 foot tall flag? Or no. your, oh, your, uh, the excavator yeah, bucket okay. will go up that high. And then you put the flagpole on top of that. Nothing says um, I'm an American celebrating independence like a tractor in your front yard with I a know. flag hanging off I it. I know. You're literally using your excavator as a flagpole. Yeah. Yeah. That's special. <laughs> special, special. We'll see if I can figure it out. Well, um, yeah. So by the time uh, people hear this episode, there's a good chance that uh, the 4th of July will have come and gone. You'll have a firework hangover. Yeah. But to our listeners worldwide, um, especially those across the pond in the UK, I actually was just noticing that we have quite a bit of participation over there. So hmm. I want to say hello to those folks and thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, even Ahoy. Though is that how you greet a in, British person? Yeah. In it? I that's the way you, that's. <laughs> I don't know. Ahoy. We're not even going to go there with our bad British accents. We won't do that to you all. Yeah. Um, but it's an exciting day because I get to right a wrong. So found out through you, actually, um, you had a meeting with the technical team and we have a listener. Mm hmm on our technical team mm -hmm. who was like man that last episode episode you guys did really really rubbed me wrong and it, it was the automation episode okay it was the episode we did two it was one of them 
Yeah, it was the one where I was basically <clears throat> the the rub for him was that um I basically said for every job we lose to automation, there's another one created. Mm, did he disagree? Which I would have thought would be a comfort to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I still believe that. The point that he brought up to me was not everybody wants the job that gets created from the replacement of my other one. Yeah. And he explained some people like a logger, for example, you know, they've been doing this their whole life. Um, they've grown to enjoy the comfort that it brings. You know, they get to go home and sit on the porch every night. They, they usually move to a wooded area, you know, to be closer to work. It's a whole entire lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just a job anymore. It's where that job took you and the things that it affords you. And I hadn't really considered that. I was thinking one dimensionally and I was only thinking like people want a job that provides X amount of dollars. And if their job gets replaced by a new job that provides equal or more value in terms of money, <clears throat> it's it's the same or yeah. better. But it's really not. I mean, this is this is part of what I was talking about. Why didn't remember, you, remember you didn't I articulate saying, it this way? I said, even if new jobs are created, the pace at which people can leverage those jobs is slow. Like it it takes time. Uh, and so this, I was this saying, is a different that's a whole different. This is a component of it, because if you have to uproot your whole life and learn a new way of living just to just to take on a job that's necessarily slows down the whole process. And my point was jobs could and may be automated quicker than new jobs are created and filled. So it's a component of I, what I was saying. I don't know why you're trying to prove this point again, because I still don't agree with that point very much. I know. I agree that the speed and whatever. I'm just saying I overlooked the folks who like doing things the old fashioned way. Yeah. Well, I think the good thing is that there will always be opportunity for some people to, to do it the old fashioned way. Uh, but that opportunity will dwindle and dwindle. Right. I think the upshot to this conversation is that all of our jobs will be affected by technology at some point in our lifetime. No matter what the job is, it will be affected and in some cases disrupted and in other cases totally eliminated by technology. So we all are going to have to deal with this on some level at some point in time, maybe once, maybe twice. If you're really bad about picking uh, careers, maybe three times or four times. See, and bad about picking careers, I think, is another thing that old Jeb would be displeased to hear because maybe you did a really good job picking logging yeah. um, as your career choice. And they just so happen, you know, Caterpillar or John Deere comes out with some new implement of forest destruction. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not saying that they destroy forests there are sustainable practices whatever but um if there's a machine that can do the job of five men sure all of a sudden that job that lifestyle you're forced to choose that's a bummer that is a bummer a, a big bummer is that we're often faced with choosing a career before we've ever set foot in the real world like we have especially if you're the career that you're pursuing requires a half decade of education you're making that decision oh, yeah. when you're 18 years old and you have 
no context for the choice. So if you like operating equipment, because maybe you've done it in the past or, you know, you grew up on a farm or whatever, if you just love operating equipment, then maybe you go and pursue that as a career. But if, and you would, you would not really be equipped to even start thinking about, is this job going to exist in 10 years? Right. Or even be able to effectively assess how big of an impact that will be. You may think, oh yeah, it won't be around in 10 years, but I'll figure it out then, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. The, someone who's going into logging isn't likely checking um, the new patents that are coming out from all the, yeah. the heavy equipment Or like the historical decline of loggers in the U.S. over the past 20 years and whether or not that's accelerating or not. Like, that's that's important. That's why it's almost always a sure bet to go into areas where are quite broad and the pace is are you, are you giving advice to our young listeners out there? I'm just saying that there there I are kind of like this. There are certain industries that are not going to go away. Uh, cybersecurity that's not going to go away. That's just going to become more and more relevant. Sure. Just computer programming. Uh, data science. Like all of these industries if you're looking at changing careers or just starting a career or starting an education, you 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 could not go wrong going into any one of those. I think unless you wanted to be outside. Well, you can go into fields. Literal literal fields? Nude. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. If you, if you want to go if you want to go outside Tyler flustered. He's yeah. like, "Man, that that was a good pun. I should have rolled with it." Sorry. Sorry, I got you off hey, track. If you're a data scientist, you can be working on a laptop in Bali. And you could probably find an employer that's going to support that or freelance or do whatever. Um, in many ways, these high-tech jobs are f more freeing. Yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. um, but alas, I wanted to apologize for overlooking because that that's important, right? Like that, that lifestyle and that could lead to... Um, some anxiety. Oh, absolutely. And I was kind of discrediting that anxiety and that, oh, there will be another job. Well, the job won't be the same. So while it's true, like we're, we're all going to have to change. I liked that you brought that up because the reality is there are certain aspects of coding. That's like, yeah, the next big <clears throat> thing. Right. But there are mundane tasks in coding that will become automated. Basically, automation is at this point in our lives, it's taking all the low-hanging fruit, which are the mundane, simple tasks. It's the tasks that are repeatable, that you, that nobody really likes to do anyhow, um, for the most part. Yeah, but it's not and that way by design. But by it, design, it just makes it easier to implement. Yeah, it's it's the more easily automated something is, and the more economic pressure there is to automate it. Those are going to be the first in line. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are way more high value things that automation could take care of if we could automate it, but yeah. we just can't. So yeah, the mundane, simple tasks are the ones we automate because one, yeah, there's yeah. economic pressure, but also it's easy. So, it's like 3D printing in that way, right? Like we're 
I just told you about that automotive, that automotive article where Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, and maybe we'll talk about this in a second, or maybe this is a good segue, but it's like, when are we going to start? Let me actually read the, the article title. I like it real quick. Why, before you move on. Sure. Uh, at one point we were talking about, uh, CAD software and the future of CAD software. And I remember making the point that, you know, it, you would remember a point you made. (laughs) It's undesirable that you have a human there sitting there clicking the mouse and moving the mouse and things like that. And there is likely a day that comes where you speak to the program, what you want in human language, and it designs it for you. And I've been exploring something called Dolly this week, which is an artistic AI that builds 2D images based off human language. So it's built off OpenAI. Do you just say left, right, forward, back? You could say, draw me a picture in the style of da Vinci depicting a infinite garden. And it would come out and no sketch. Way. Yeah. And the more descriptive you are, the the better it becomes. And so you could imagine if you think of a da Vinci drawing, it's like on not papyrus, but like old some canvas. <laughs> canvas. And like light brown, like, uh, you know, like, uh, what's the, Ves- Ves- what's that guy's name? It's not Vesuvius. Uh, I don't You're know. Talking you talking to the wrong guy. You know, you know the drawing of the man in the circle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that style drawing and then of an infinite garden and it would do it. And it would give you like in the matter of seconds, 12 things. So even art is becoming automated in ways. So there's... We don't know where it's going to end. What's that noise? That was my watch scraping the. You got to get get control of that thing. Hey, the size of I'm it. just getting so animated about computers taking over art. Well, it's <laughs> it's, it's scary. It is. Um, well, I, I I don't know. Scary is an emotional reaction. That thank you is it's a pers- it's a choice of perspective. Sure, just like our last conversation, it's a choice of perspective. Yeah. But it gets pretty tough at a certain point to accept that reality. I also just watched um, Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. And if you've seen that movie. It's been a few years. I saw it when it came out. It's a little. um, If you're afraid of automation or AI, Mm -hmm. this will make you this will wake up some anxiety in you. This movie. It's pretty cool. I I like the movie. I know it's CG, but the most a memorable part of that was the house that they were in oh so cool (laughs) isn't it so cool they fly the helicopter in in the first part of the movie and he's like Mm -hmm. hey when are we going to be on so-and-so's property and he's like we've been flying over his estate for the last two hours yeah it's all built (laughs) into the landscape and and the the rock walls and you would like that oh i love it it's a very beautiful house um so if you're interested in watching a rated r movie uh that that's a great one uh, I, I recommend it. And if you want to be freaked out about AI. Do you think anyone pays attention to uh, movie ratings outside of Utah? Yeah. You yeah. think so? Yeah. Don't take your kids to this one. It'll freak them the heck out. Yeah. It's not a kid's movie. Um, my memory of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think people pay attention to it. 
Uh, we, so this is totally off topic, not 3D printing at all. Yeah. Have you seen The Great Outdoors? Of course. You, 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 I hadn't seen it, and you were giving me a hard time. It's so, so I went classic. And uh, you rented it? Yeah. I don't remember how I got a hold of it. It is an absolute must-watch summer movie. My favorite part is Dan Aykroyd with the giant camcorder. Oh, yeah, when he comes in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so speaking of that scene, so the whole movie, it's PG. Yeah. You know? Yeah. PG back in those <laughs> days was different. actually... It, it's changed, right? PG's oh, gotten yeah. a little softer nowadays, yeah. but rated R has also gotten a lot more intense. Especially, with, like. it's, especially with streaming now, I do not pay attention to movie ratings at all. Like when you're streaming, we're desensitized, Tyler. Oh, definitely. But I do remember watching this, thinking, "Hmm, you know, hmm, there's some moments in here that are a little uh, edgy, edgy." Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so classic. Watch it. Um, John Candy. And for those outside of the country, I want to I want to feedback if someone dares watch that movie and just tell me how American it is, how American it does it seem. I, I think it would totally, be really funny totally. to get that feedback. But anyway, let's let's get back to yeah. additive manufacturing. Let's do it. Or 3D printing. Mm hmm. Um, this article that I read is titled when 3D printing will move past pet projects in the auto industry. Okay. And it sounds like a title that we would come up with. Yeah. Um, Cause it's kind of, it fits the theme of everything we talk about. And this goes back in line with um, the implementation of new technology. We always try and gather the low hanging fruit first with additive manufacturing. We've been seeing people kind of pick and choose that over the last few years and i didn't know this but bmw uh, from let's see like 2015 to it might be current day has been using additive manufacturing for their water pumps some of them some of their water pumps not all of them yeah yeah uh and i didn't know that you know because you you did because you've probably seen it come and go and kind of the the hype <laughs> that f follows these applications and some partners we worked with in the past uh, had, yeah, the, that water wheel impeller has made its way into a lot of promotional videos throughout the years. Why? Well, because the story behind it. What is the story? The mm. fact that a big, large OEM is using it? At some scale beyond prototyping. Okay. Yeah. And it's a fairly complex part and it's a metal part. So it had a lot going for it. Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, especially with automotive, I mean, any large OEM printer company wants in. With, oh, yeah. With every major automotive manufacturer. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll try to make a case at any level to get in that ecosystem because that ecosystem brings immense scale and huge market. Yeah. Well, and people trust it. Right. Like people trust, hey, if if Chevy's using this. Yeah. It's probably good enough for us. Yeah, that's right? true. That's true. Um, and then you you might see it be implemented in aerospace next. It might, you know, grow upwards. But I think for the most part, it falls. It grows downward. If that's well, is that a weird way to, to put that. Automotive and aerospace markets are quite a bit different. For sure. For sure. But like. 
the acceptance of certain transportation guidelines, like we have certifications that will work for both automotive and aerospace. Yeah. And the testing standards kind of, there's some overlap. Sure. Especially sure. on interiors. Right? Sure. Yeah. But I, I kind of suspect, at least at the current scales, if you have a technology that finds its place, you know, finds its home in automotive, it, by definition, is probably not the best fit for aerospace and vice versa. Okay. You dweeb. What? I, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. I'm not you've trying proved, to. You've proved your point. Never mind, everyone. I rescind my previous comments. There's zero overlap. Let's, I don't even think I was disagreeing is, with you. I, it's just a total side. This is our problem. This is why we can't have short episodes. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I guess what I'm saying is when will we okay, move pet past projects. the pest, pet projects? When do we move past like this is for real now? Mm -hmm. um, the Ford Maverick we've talked about on previous episodes. They've had, they've got some sort of little repository yeah. of printed parts that you can put in what, the what Maverick. Do, what do you think they mean by pet projects? Hand-picked. Like, um, like a single-person champion? Single-person, like single... Like there's a single person in that organization that feels very strongly about using the technology no. and, and pushes it forward? No, not necessarily. I think what they mean by pet projects is um, when will this be a legitimate manufacturing process that's actually chosen um, for a purpose other than just a little flair, just a little okay. marketing flair? Well, we talked about one example on our last episode. Remind me. That was the Chevy Tahoe. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So we are moving into that realm. Yeah. Is it just going to take a few more of those instances where it's like, yeah, this is uh, this is for, this is a real deal now? Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. And you'll have existing technologies that remain unchanged and just become more widely accepted. The risk profile re is reduced. People have better understanding about case studies that like make it work, that prove it works. And then you'll also have technological advances that push it even further and further. So, you know, over the course of five or 10 years, I think the landscape will change quite a bit. Do you think the powder based systems are the ones that are really going to take off for like an automotive? Yeah, I think so. Whether it be metal or plastics. Yeah. I mean, that's my best guess right now. Based on the technologies that are available today or commercialized today, they meet the demands of automotive uh, most completely in terms of throughput and you know precision tolerances and also size. Um, so I think that they're best positioned, but who knows what could change? Things could change. Usually we're not getting, we're not getting a lot of like mm, significantly different technologies. We, we're seeing technologies that are progressing and, uh, offshoots. Yeah. Offshoots, you know, little tweaks here and there. 
that improve the process, optimize the process. But, but the base technologies of they're the same. Largely. Largely. Do you think um, part of worldwide adoption or just major adoption in these instances would be helped or hurt by having more people with 3D printers in their home? Hmm. <laughs> it's sort of a question of user satisfaction. Is that what you're getting to? No, I just posed the question. It was one of those miracle questions that just popped into my mind. I think it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> if I do say so myself. Yeah. Is it helpful to the industry if homeowners have them in their houses? Mm hmm. Uh, I say yes. Why? <laughs> because if you have aware techno technology awareness, it allows you to use that as a marketing vector for one. We've seen that. We've talked about examples of products that are marketed as 3D printed. So they're using the technology as a, a path for marketing. And that's not going to land on anyone who isn't aware of 3D printing. And then there's this idea that as adoption of the technology grows and you have more people experimenting with it that all have different problems and backgrounds and start to look at how this technology may apply to those problems, uh, that proliferates the technology further and it becomes sort of exponential growth if it starts to meet and solve some of those problems. Like we've seen it with uh, artists, fashion designers start getting their hands on 3D printers and suddenly you start to see changes in the software, changes in the hardware to better fit their needs. We see it in the dental space. We just saw it in Polyjet with medical, yeah. the X-ray capable um, material. Yeah, exactly. And so, 3D printing um, as a whole needs more relevance. They actually need to solve more problems. And the only way you do that is find out what those problems are. And you don't go out and search for problems. People come to you with problems. I am going to play the devil's advocate here. Not totally on mm -hmm. purpose, mm -hmm. but I think it could hurt. I think it could hurt. You know, 3D printers being the next toaster oven could be not good for the industry because think about injection molding, for example. People don't have those on their bench tops. There are bench top units. Yeah, but, but they're not a dime annoying. a dozen. Yeah. You know, you never hear someone, oh, yeah, you know, my uh, my grandson's got an injection molder. Yeah. Or, you know, my kid's got Doesn't an injection happen. molder. Doesn't happen. But that's wide, like injection molding is widely adopted sure. and accepted worldwide like that is a standard um my fear with everyone having a benchtop unit printer is like a what would you call it a consumer grade printer we know the problems that come with those <laughs> you know they have reliability issues people are always having to work on them um and tune them and they become difficult to use for an everyday use user it's not a Ronco, set it and forget it type of thing. 
when people start printing their own parts and trying to utilize them for their own needs and wants, my friend printed a cup holder for his truck. Works great, right? As a mm -hmm. cup holder. Mm -hmm. um, I saw a video on Instagram yesterday of, of a guy that used it, uh, made a big 3D print on a, a hobbyist machine for uh, cutting bent tube precisely. So it's mm -hmm. just a cutting fixture. Mm -hmm. Great for those purposes. But as people start to push the limits or use a new material and it fails and it warps, it bends, uh, they can't get it to stick to the build sheet or when they get a, success, a yeah. successful part, it, it isn't strong enough. Right. Whether it be bad design or whatever, they lose confidence in the technology. So then all of a sudden you see a 3D print from Stratasys or MakerBot or, or Mark Forged, these other companies out there, and it looks the same because it has the layer lines, an FDM print we're talking mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. um, your confidence isn't there. Even though sure. it's a far superior sure. print, you've already kind of... <clears throat> well, that's, that's why when you asked it, I immediately went to, this is a question of customer satisfaction. Because the experience of that person but is going to shape... How many people, as a percentage, do you think are satisfied with a hobby grade, hobby grade printer for beyond twelve months, beyond four months? Well, it's really you know it just depends on their expectations, and I would say the expectations of the average consumer w were unmet. It is a set it, The expectation is set it and forget it. This is largely throw, throw my print file at it. This is largely why. 3D printing had uh, a bit of a stumble like 2014, 2015, 2016. Yeah. And we talked because, about that. Because, yeah, the push was into consumer-ready uh, consumer printers. Like you said, as common as a toaster oven. And the reality was the technology, the software, everything, not ready for that. And it left a sour taste in people's uh, mouths. And it hurt. Uh, it hurt the industry for, you know, a, a few years. It opened up new opportunities at the same time. You know, many of the companies that we're talking about now is if they're new, were actually formed in that time period. They were born in that time period, kind of, you know, flew under the radar for a handful of years, released product, and, you know, they're more well-known now. And finding some success now, but they may not have formed. They may not have found the funding if we didn't go through that period in like 2012, 13. That's true. Um, I, I guess my curiosity is why or when will like when, when you get a printed metal part off the exact metal system, Mm -hmm. or any other powder-based metal system, it's grainy, right? Mm -hmm. It feels sugar cube. Yeah. And why why can't we just accept that? Like people have accepted castings for ages. Mm -hmm. um, die cast, all kinds of like sand casting. And you don't think twice when you see like your motorcycle engine has some cast components on it. You're like, man, yeah. I, I sure wish they would have CNC'd that. Yeah. Uh, we all know CNC finish looks better, but like you're not, you don't even question it. You're just like, yeah, it works. 
In in many cases it works. In other cases it wouldn't. But right? the OEMs know that. In the cases that don't work, they don't make it to us. So when we get when we buy a product for the most part, like a motorcycle, you trust that Honda, Kawasaki, whoever did the did the work to put that thing through the ringer and make sure that it it met their satisfaction before it made it to the showroom floor. Yeah. And was sold to me. Yeah. So at what point do the manufacturers but I guess what I'm saying is at what point do the manufacturers start pumping that stuff out to the public? Because I think that's what it's going to take to increase confidence in an additively manufactured part. Yeah. Not just the fact that like we have to point out that, that, that this was additive, maybe that we get to the point where we don't even point that out anymore. These we need to pet projects. Yeah, we need to, uh, where it's just there. Yeah. Uh, we need, we need to, um, you know, if you're trying to justify it, like higher cost by saying it's 3d printed, it's cool. Mm, that's not going to work. Yeah. So it will get there when additive manufacturing beats out all other options. Cost wise, not just cost wise, but that's certainly a, a big component uh, Okay, perf performance would be another, uh, situation, mm, you know, and for a cylinder head, like a cast surface finish is just fine mm -hmm. in many areas of it, but for like an implantable, that's not sure. Yeah. So in some ways you do need some people to say this is good enough and accept it and buy those products. And in other ways, you do need people on the other side saying this is not good enough and continuing to push, push forward. Yeah. Uh -huh. And just understanding the why, the why behind it's not good enough because we know the OEMs have control and can tweak things, change things, make them better, but it takes louder voices. We need the feedback. Um, yeah. Kind of like we need the feedback on this podcast. That is true. We appreciate all the feedback, especially when it's, uh, you know, anger. No, not anger, but, uh, Hey, you know, more directed towards you. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So as long as it's someone, I made someone upset when, when, when I, when I, when they told me like, Hey, I have something to say about that last episode in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, great. I said, you had something. a guilty conscience. I said something. I had a guilty conscience, but I thought that I probably took the more controversial side. I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I took the friendlier route and look at me. I still messed up. <laughs> um, well, we should move on. We For are sure. trying to keep this one a little shorter. We have some show and tell here yeah. today that's brought to you by Juicy Filaments, our pretend filament brand. And today, Juicy Filaments, I'm told, has acquired an old Stratasys machine, and they're going to try and jailbreak it to do some of their own, um, some of their own material <laughs> developments. Really? Yeah. So, mm. anyway, I hey. seriously question if they have the the technical background to do that. Oh, this the CEO and president and vice president. And COO, <laughs> they'll get it done. He's he's the full cabinet. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to get into this ad. Hey, printheads, has the GMO-scented aroma from cheap PLAs tainted your print lab? It's time to get juicifying fragrances. <laughs> fragrances. 
Juicy Labs has taken their film and engineers to France to become sommeliers. Now, our trained aromatic stewards have been unleashed to give you filaments the finest scents. Give your filaments the finest scents without taking any more scents out of your pocket. All juicy filaments will now fill the labs with juicy aromas trademark. Try our new Midnight Obsession PLA. From the first layer, you'll be greeted with the intense, intense woody aromas of succulent marshmallow toasting perfectly on a summertime campfire. Mm. As, we, <laughs> as we near the end uh, of the print, a brown sugar mid-plate focus submits to a toasty, fruity, and cantaloupian peak. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, Midnight Obsession finishes honey sweet with a decadent maple-like crescendo of waffly goodness. With Juicy Filaments Juicy Aromas, you'll wonder if you're printing or dining at a Michelin star restaurant. I can't believe we're not eating Juicy Filaments right now. <laughs> so evidently um, in the plan is edible filaments. Apparently. The way that ends makes me think that Apparently. perhaps we could eat some of these prints. You know, I'm not going to be the taste tester. Scented filament will come, you know, along with all of the consumer like the homeowner printers, mm -hmm. scented filaments will come. Well, sure. we can also speculate here, based on this advertisement, that they plan to have different scents at different stages of the build. How are they going to have that time-released scent? Who knows? Did I ever tell you the story about Febreze? <laughs> yes, I think you have. It yeah. was an accident, right? No, it wasn't an accident, but it was an unsuccessful product until they scented it. Because Febreze's whole purpose is to eliminate odors, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is... Doesn't it just encapsulate the odor and fall to the floor? I don't actually know how the chemistry works. Um, but it's supposed to be eliminate or mask odors. Mm -hmm. The problem is people don't realize when their house stinks. So oh, yeah, they're, not, they're not going to buy Febreze because they don't know that their house smells like... Old man a, feet. A horror show. So, yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't successful until they started uh, scenting it and then marking it as like, OK, it's it's fresh air. And then people bought it and used it. Hmm. Maybe this will work for Juicy Filaments to take off. Maybe. Maybe. Should I uh, now that Juicy Filaments has brought us this? Yeah, let's grab that. OK, I'm going to take. Hey, be careful not to touch this camera. I'm taking out my earplugs. OK. This is the, I'm showing it to the camera right now. The only way you're going to see this is um, to go visit us on YouTube. How does it look? Can you see it? Yeah, it looks good. Oh, yeah. Would you look at that? Snazzy. This is your sign? Yep. Yep. My little brother did the design for this, and um, I cut that acrylic out all on my own. Mm -hmm. With the jigsaw? Yep. And jigsaw we, we worked great on the kitchen counter and uh, didn't damage the kitchen counter. But hot glue gun was the secret weapon here. Oh, I see that. Yeah. Hot glue gun is an underutilized tool. Oh, big time. Uh, you can get them for like two bucks, by the way. Oh, I know. At your local. I think you can get them for store. free with certain Harbor Freight coupons. Really? I think so. Yeah, I went for the high temp model. I I am surprised that Ryobi is the only company that has made a a battery operated hot glue gun. Well, it's probably not a hot seller. When are you like traveling to hot glue something? 
Well, you, I know, but you, you shouldn't be taking a hot glue gun anywhere but how, your kitchen counter anyhow. Yeah, but how annoying is the or your craft room? When you're trying you're so to lucky. when you're trying to set the gun somewhere and you've got glue dripping everywhere, and it's on your skin and you're like it's only going to burn for 3 more seconds. You don't want to be dealing with the cord and you trip. You get mm. hot glue in your eye. Which brings me to a thought. Do they have battery powered soldering irons? I don't know. Same problem. You trip over the cord. Yeah. I trip over my soldering iron iron cord I all the time. I have a butane soldering iron and it's terrible. That sounds awful. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, don't use one of those. I see you brought something too. Yeah, I just brought uh we showed we showed the metal parts last week. Oh but should I describe what that is? It's a backlit sign. Um, I think just that was case. obvious. Was it? Oh, not not, not for the, the audio. Not for the audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what <laughs> I'm trying to make everybody happy here. It's a backlit sign. Yeah. Okay, and it's circular, right and I'm gonna hang it on the wall. Now, let's describe yours with words. Yeah, words this, this too. is just gonna be uh, something that you might wanna you might wanna view on YouTube, but. Last week, we were showing some components on the putter project that I'm helping out with. And these are the PolyJet prototypes that I actually printed before I printed the metal just to ensure that you could actually assemble it, which is not something you could take for granted when, um, especially when you're working on other people's designs or, but even your own designs, like we've talked about this, it's really hard to anticipate how something is going to go together. And if it needs to come apart, also take it apart. So there were some changes made to these that were discovered with, in this case, polyjet, but just a polymer plastic print. These are color prints, which comes into play on this one. This is like a carbon fiber overlay. So this was printed from a 3MF file out of SolidWorks. Looks good. Yeah, it looks good. And it all fits together, which is what you want. Ooh, get do that towards the mic. That actually sounded pretty nice. That was some solid engagement. So. I, I like to do tapered bosses when oh, I'm, when so I'm assembling or just so they self-center a little better so that it's easier to assemble, especially when you have, in this case, you have four posts. Okay. I and see. And oftentimes, unless, unless you're assembling them straight in, it can really easily bind, especially if it's tight, you'll come in, like you'll try to come in at an angle and get one in and rock it in. You can't do that if they're both straight and there's only like a five or 10 thousandths clearance on the radius, that can be pretty difficult. So if I'm printing parts, one of the things I, I do quite often is I add like a two to five degree taper. And that really helps with, with what the type assembly. of clearance, same amount of clearance. Um, you don't ever worry about because with a taper, you could introduce a situation where it never bottoms out. Well, I don't do that. So the taper only in this case, the taper goes down about 50% the length of the. Oh, okay. The yeah, boss, the boss. So it's more than a chamfer, but, but you could think of it like that. Just yeah, a really it's large not a, chamfer. Yeah. You only do it to the male end. You don't taper the female hole. Yeah. Yeah. What? That's correct. Okay. Typically. So the male end. Is all you take. And it depends on the depth. So like on this one, um, I felt like I had enough engagement that, you know. There's just <laughs> a tiny bit. Yeah, I could hear There it. is a tiny bit of yeah. play there. So that's a good tip. Yeah. A tech tip. Tech tip. 
tech tip. It's a pretty good tech tip. So yeah, it's a good looking. You can say tech tip again. Tech tip. <laughs> Who was it that was bugging me about saying something too many times um, the other day? Probably Jeb one. Everyone. I don't know. And then they had these little weights, little counterweights. Yeah, I had a hard time printing these. Show in, that to uh, metal. the camera, would you? Look at the detail there. We'll see if that gets picked Get a up. Look at that. So it's a tiny little screw. This was too small for Those me to threads. print in metal. These are good polyjet threads. Um, Polyjet's well, great for prototyping. Do you know what size those are? Are those a standard thread? It's a quarter 20. I, the other day, actually had a customer ask, what are the smallest threads you feel comfortable printing? And I kind of used quarter 20 as like, I wouldn't do anything beyond that. if, And especially if I plan to use it multiple times. Yeah. Um, that's when I'm thinking of an insert. Uh, some sort of a brass insert. Yeah, I wish I wish I could use brass inserts, but on this design. So if you look at the size of these bosses, uh, there's no there's no space for an insert. Yeah. And so I would have had to make significant changes to the design to incorporate an insert, which I just wasn't willing to do. Sure. So when it comes to the final version, like this is going to be uh, this is going to be steel. The putter face will be steel. This 316. Uh, yeah, 316 L is what we're going to be using. And then uh, this we're going to use the origin, a DLP uh, cool. material, which will be more durable than the polyjet. Um, and we are just going to print the pilot hole and then we're going to tap it and then We'll probably use some sort of adhesive um, on the threads, meaning those weights we'd probably advise. We're going to be giving the putter away. So oh. um, how how could someone enter this said giveaway? You got to be there in person in Chicago oh. on July 18th. So just buy yourself a plane ticket that's going to cost <laughs> 800 bucks and you if might you, win a putter. If you're in the, if you're in the area and you can make it, then you're eligible. But, and um, you mentioned this lap at last episode, but where where is it going to be, and when? Oh, it's in it's in the Chicago area. I think it's specifically Naperville, at a Top Golf. Oh, it's at a Top Golf. Yeah, it's at a Top Golf. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Can we find more information about this on our website? Yeah, or on where Go Engineer's website. I would just Google uh, Go Engineer Golf July 18th. <laughs> okay. Try that. All right. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're going to use some adhesive because with the plastic, with the plastic threads, like they'll hold, but if you take them in and out, they're going to loosen up. Sure. Yeah. So one thing I did want to bring up and you mentioned this last episode, you did change some things on this to make it better for metal printing. Can you show us what you changed? Well, uh, specifically for metal printing. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so that was the original design with the ribbing. I, I'm calling them ribs. They're not really ribs, but it's like a scaffolding. Yeah, like a scaffolding, triangulated scaffold. And you know, we had a discussion about how we wanted to, uh, like, the decision tree that you make when you're orienting a part, especially for metal. You know, you're you're trying to consider what surfaces am, am I going to have to uh, cut or finish. And what surfaces do I not want to touch? And the obvious surface was this surface. That's going to be covered up. It's not going to be visible to the user. 
and it's going to be the minimum amount of support. So we opted to print them up this way, which meant that there was going to be overhangs, you know, zero degree overhangs. And anyway, we orient that there's going to be zero degree overhangs, which we'd have to fill with support. So and the um, machine is capable of bridging to some degree, right? But uh, not very yeah, far, not very far. And the surface quality really suffers because you have this powder bed, you know, which is just little individual grains of alloy and you're hitting a laser into that and, and it's they're floating, so they're floating and they're solidifying. And so that underside really becomes very fuzzy yeah, and has porosity because it's like half fused powder, et cetera. So I asked him, Hey, can I change this up? And we, we filled it with a lattice, which helps quite a bit. The lattice still has, you know, fuzzy texture to it, but it's a lot less noticeable. Cool. Yeah. Well, we've done it. We, we kept a pretty short episode today. Short being like 10 minutes shorter than normal. <laughs> so we're at about 50 minutes. Yep, we are. <laughs> exactly. But before we go, I want to share a YouTube channel. I'm not going to talk much about it, but it's called Warped Perception. Oh, that's my that YouTube who? of the day. Okay. It's uh, he makes he does a lot of miniatures uh, engines. Mm. So he does jet engines, which was how I found his channel. So I kind of geeked out. He did a, a jet engine with a clear body so you could actually see okay. what was going on inside of it that I, was pretty neat i think i saw that thumbnail and i didn't click it because i thought oh that's an electric turbine is it not electric no it's gas um he in fact he talks about the combustion which is why i liked it he did a really good explanation of yeah the intake compression um combustion and exhaust the stages he 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 explained it he likened it to a four-stroke engine so me having some understanding of that with my motorcycles was like oh that makes sense now now when i'm on an airplane and i see um a jet engine i kind of understand a little more about what's happening on the front end versus the back end and this jet engine's awesome he also uh, has a little mini harley davidson uh, pan head Oh, yeah. engine and it sounds like a panhead it's insane That's so cool normally when you hear these miniature engines i don't know if you've ever watched any of these videos they're kind of higher pitched they sound a little different this one was like yeah. dialed he's an interesting guy i haven't looked much else into his channel but he does some crazy stuff with jet engines and i'm gonna assume and i think safely that he uses additive somewhere along the lines so i'm gonna watch yeah. more of his videos Did and he, see what he I took find. an off-the-shelf turbine and then put a like an acrylic skin on it. Is that what he did? Yeah, that's what it looks like. He, he okay. has machining yeah, capabilities. So in his videos, you'll get a little bit of his machining. And I, again, I assume some 3d printing in there somewhere. If but not, he should cool channel, <laughs> cool warped perception. All right, sweet. You got one for us? Nope. Nothing. No. Nope. All right. Is on that, that, call it a day. That's a heck of an episode. Hey, we're about to start a long weekend here. Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. Take See care. Ya.